Oh, you may be seated. I don't know if you know it or not, but they put him in the grave and the stone was rolled away and he came out of that tomb and we're celebrating it today. That's what Easter Sunday is about. That is what the resurrection is all about. I want to talk about that this morning, but actually what I want to do is is I want to go around to the back of the house, I want to open up the backyard gate, walk in through the back door, come into the back door of the house, and I want to approach the resurrection from a totally different perspective this morning. I want to look at it a little bit different. And it's Easter Sunday. I decided to make life easy for you. Take out your notes with me, okay? Grab your pen. You only have one thing that you have to write down this morning. There's just one word for you to fill in on the blanks. Now, you can write anything you want on all through the whole service. You can draw pictures of your wife. You can do whatever you want. But this one word, I don't want you to miss. And that is that God has more for your life than you already know about and you have already experienced. He wants more for your life. And the things that God wants for you, they're not good for God. They're good for you. That's what he wants to do. He has a way of living that many of us who are his followers were beginning to experience. And when you experience that, you will wonder why you took so long and resisted so long to to allow him to do that in your life and in my life. You see, we're all on a spiritual journey, whether we know it or not. We're on a journey, and you're, you're in either one of four categories. Either you're a follower of Christ, and you're a believer, and you're following Him with your life, or, or maybe you're just considering following Him. You're just considering this whole following Christ thing, or, 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 or maybe you have never even thought about it or considered it. Or maybe you've thought about it and considered it, and you just have no interest whatsoever. Every one of us are in one of those four categories. That's a reality. But I got to tell you, if you want to lay your head down on the pillow and get the best sleep at night, you get that by following Christ and by living your life the way the, the one who designed and created you designed for you to live your life. And the resurrection, oh, we celebrate that in a huge way. And you will never truly ful- you'll never truly know and you'll never really fulfill- feel fulfilled until you're living your life in a way that you know you're making a difference that matters. God wants to fulfill our lives in that way. Some of us think the goal of church is to take bad people and make them good people. That's Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. He came to make dead people alive. That's what he came to do. To make dead people alive. To take your mess and make it better. Maybe your marriage, it may be your finances, it may be your emotions. It may may be all of those at one time. Easter is all about death to life. Yeah, we've had so many, over the year, every single year, there's so many funerals that we have here. It's just a reality of life, death. And 
And, and time after time, I, have to, I think about this, especially with believers. And I'll, I'll do a funeral of someone who I know is a believer. And the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And I'll look around the room and I'll look at the box. And the, the person in, in the box is so often the most alive person in the room in reality. Because we're all here, we're mourning about that going through. It's, it's reality. But there with Jesus. Talk about being alive, which reminds me of these three, three guys, Dino, Billy, and Fernando, and they, they were talking about this whole subject, and, and, and Billy, Billy just turns to Dino, and he says, Dino, when, when, you're, when we're at your funeral, what is it you want people to say about you? And they dug in seriously about this subject. What do you, what do you want people to say about you? And Dino says, you know... I want them to say that I was a family man, that, that I was faithful, faithful to my wife, and I love my wife, and, and my kids love me. And then Dino turned to Billy and says, Billy, what, what do you want people to say about you? And Billy says, you know, I, I want people to say that I helped people, that, that I was, I, you know, I had a, a, a civil mind, it was, and that the community was, was important to me. Billy says, Fernando, what, what do you want people to say about you? Ah, oh, Fernando, he said, you know, I just want them to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Let's start with this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Let's just stop here for a second. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, okay, lives in you. If you're a follower of Christ, the Bible says that when we accept Christ as our Savior, when we become a part of His family, His Holy Spirit lives in us. It indwells in us. It, it takes up residence in us. And just as God raises Christ raised Christ from the dead, he will give your mortal bodies. How many of you know that's what we have? We have mortal bodies. He will give, your, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. How do you, how do you pull that off? His same Spirit will give life to our mortal bodies, in other words, to our broken relationships, to our broken marriages, to our messy finances. See, it's not just, it's not just a ticket to heaven and life forever with him. That's a, that's a huge deal, but that's a, that's a subject for just maybe another point. But the areas in our life that are broken matter to him. See, that's the point of Easter. It's the resurrection of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus gives you and I power, listen, power to move from the life that we are living to a life that you know deep down inside that you could be living and you want to be living. That's the resurrection power of Jesus. C.S. Lewis puts Easter this way. He says, Easter is death working backwards. 
See, we're born and we live our lives and we are headed to this day where we end up in the box. That's just the reality. The second natural law of thermodynamics says everything that, that is living and alive is on a pathway to dying. It is the nature of the world we live in. C.S. Lewis makes, gives us real clarity. Our broken world is a life that is headed to death. But you can go from whatever is dead in your life to life, to being alive. And we think, well, well if, God, if God wants that for us and if God can do that for us, what do I have to do? What is God going to require me to do? And we tend to think, listen, this is just our natural thinking, we tend to think that God wants more from us than we think is even possible for us to do. That's what we think. If, if he really wants to do this in my life, what, what is he going to ask me to do? How could I possibly even... And, and, and even the, the people in the Bible, how, 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 could, how could, I can't even relate to them. The apostles, the 12 of these guys, and they, they, they must have had huge faith. And some of us think that actually the people, even the people in this room who are pulling this off, who, who are actually living this life in a relationship with God and he's working in there, and, 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 and we together, are, we're living this life. You think that, they're just special. As I read through Scripture, and even before that, as I stop, and I could look at this crowd, and look at the crowd in the first service, and I could begin to pick out people and couples that, that, that are walking this life, and Christ is a part of their lives, and we are living this out. And I got to tell you, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Their lives have had struggles in them. There's been pain in their lives. As I open up the scripture and I look through story after story after story and person after person after person, do you know what I see? No perfect people. No huge, powerful faith. But I do see an ingredient. Let me pop through three stories with you this morning. Let's look at Paul in 2 Corinthians. And I, I want to look at this in the Message Bible. Paul, you know what Paul does? He gets on stage and he grabs the curtain and he pulls it aside and he lets you look behind the curtain. Look what he says. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. In other words, life, life came down on us in a hard way. And then he steps into giving us clarity. It was so bad that we didn't think we were going to make it. We didn't think we were going to survive. We felt like we'd been sent to death row. How many of you know what death row is? There's, there's, no, there's no happy ending here. There's, there's no rainbow that you're headed towards. We felt like we'd been sent to death row. That was it. It was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. In other words, our backs were against the wall. There were no options. There was no way out. Death was certain, and it was ugly. Go and read the whole story. 
instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced. In other words, we couldn't have come up with an option if we wanted to. We were forced to trust God totally. And then he goes on to, he's looking back on this, by the way, and then he goes on to say, not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises from the dead. It's called resurrection. It's called raising from the dead. And then let's look at another one. Let's go to, the, let's go to one of the biggest ones. Not that Paul's not a big one. You know, Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament. He is like one of the really big ones in my perspective. But let's go way back into the Old Testament. Let's go to the father of our faith. This dude's got to be huge. I mean, he's, his faith must have been unbelievable. He had to have unbelievable power. But let's look at Abraham. As Paul is writing about Abraham in Romans. He says, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you father of many nations. Abraham, the father of the faith. God says, I'm going to make you great. And through Abraham's lineage, it, co it comes right on down to King David. It doesn't get bigger than David. Oh, maybe it does. Then his son, King Solomon. That's huge. But then the lineage of Abraham continues all the way down and gives us our Savior, Jesus Christ. The father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed. I want to focus in on that word believed this morning. It happened because Abraham believed. Not because, it doesn't say this happened because Abraham knows all the answers. doesn't say that. It doesn't say this, this happened because Abraham knew how to work it out. Or, or, or Abraham knew how God was going to, or knew, how, how, or knew where God was going to, or when God was going to. And God won't tell you that kind of stuff anyway. It says it happened because Abraham believed. He just had to believe. Let's go to another story. Let's go to the story of Lazarus. Many of us know the story about Lazarus. In John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, let's, let's start reading that one together. In, now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from a village in Bethany. It was, he was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha, the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Didn't say, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. He said, no. They said, the one you love is sick. Didn't say the one who prays every day loves you or is sick. It, it didn't say the one who reads his Bible every day is sick. But Lord, the one you love is sick. God doesn't love you because you love him first. He loves you. He already loves you. Whether you love him back or not. We have to let that sink into our brain. 
He already loves you. This is personal. This is you and God. Forget everything else. Forget what you've done, what you haven't done. Forget everything. He loves you. Whether you love him back or not. Even if you're in that fourth category that I, that I pointed out, and you, you've made, you, you made the decision you're just not interested, <laughs> that has not affected the love that he has for you. Verse 4, when he heard this, meaning Jesus, he said, no worries. Well, he didn't say no worries, but what he said was, this sickness will not end in death. In other words, no worries. And we all know the story. Lazarus dies. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And John's writing this. And, and, and then, then John writes something strange. He, he, he writes in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's kind of a, a strange verse to drop in there until you read the next verse. Because the next verse makes it seem like Jesus doesn't love them. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Let me ask you something. Have you ever felt like God really didn't care about you? Have you ever felt like he really doesn't care? Especially if you're in a horrible situation, or if, or if you're in a huge problem, or if there's a disaster going on in your life. Have you felt like he really didn't care that much? Or, or at least he's moving way, if he's moving, he's moving way too slow. You know what we forget? Number one, we forget that he loves us so much that we are the apple of his eye. And we forget that he's God. And the picture that he has is so much bigger than the picture that we have. And in that big picture, really, we're waiting for him to do this, but he's actually working on other things in that picture. In verse 11, and, 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 he had, and after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. Jesus is using his own language, and they don't get it. I mean, they, they just, so often Jesus was teaching, and, and, and his, 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 the 12 just did not get it. So many different times, they just didn't get what he was saying, until later on, when they, when they had the ability to look back at what he said and what was going on, then they got it. Because the rearview mirror was so much clearer. I'm going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. In other words, if he's sleeping, he's resting. That's a good thing. He's going to get better. Just, just the fact that he's sleeping is a good thing. That means when he wakes, he'll, he'll probably be so much better off. And Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. 
See, when Jesus made his first comment, they, they were thinking this way, and then Jesus gives them clarification, and they just start going this way, and, and they just never seem to get it right. And sometimes we're reasoning with God based on our thinking. And that's what they were doing. And when we're doing that, we have no idea how God is working in our life and around our life and on our life and on our heart. So, so this is going back and forth like a tennis ball. And finally, Jesus said, so he says, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Whoa. Because, because if I was there, then, then the way you think it should have worked out, it would have worked out. And then, then you would think that you have God figured out. And he is always dealing with that deal in our brain. Because we always think we figure him out. But, but then he takes us to a place where he makes us believe. And he makes us recognize that he is God and we are not. And, and we recognize that we need a Savior. For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, he said, so that you may believe. There's that word. So that you may believe but let us go to him. Because all along they're thinking the only way things can get better if Jesus comes and heals Lazarus because they'd walk through life with Jesus and from town to town and place to place, Jesus would stop often and he would fix somebody's problem and he would heal somebody's body. And that shaped their thinking. That put a frame around who Jesus was and what he could do. And I believe that Jesus really wanted to just take that frame apart. Let's read a little further. It says, then Thomas, also known as Eeyore. See, I believe that that word didymus in Greek means Eeyore. Because that's who Thomas was. Look, look at Thomas's response. Jesus says, um, he says, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And Thomas's response is, okay, let's all go that we may die with him. Don't live your life with people who are doubting your future. Don't live your life with people who are doubting your God. And don't live your life with people who are saying, it's not going to happen. You're never going to. You'll never be able to. Don't, don't camp out there. Don't live your life there. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, had already been dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. Let me tell you something about the Jewish faith. You see, the Jews believed that when someone died, 
that their spirit hovered over the body for three days. This was just a part of their net. This was a part of the whole burial, the, whole, the part of their whole, their whole thinking. They believed that a spirit hovered, their spirit hovered over their body for three days. Once again, Jesus is back on the big picture. He's going to make sure there's real clarity here. So, so, some people, see, if, if he had stepped in within that three-day window, then some people would have thought, well, he really wasn't totally dead. Jesus waits till the fourth day. We, we think we're going to mess with his... He doesn't leave the option. He's God. We've got to remember this. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus could have made this in a short period of any day. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them because of the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Some translations say she ran out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Because Mary was like us, right? Mary's probably thinking, we sent you a letter. We sent someone to talk to you. Our brother, your friend, was sick. We walked all over the world here with you, healing people, fixing problems. If you had just showed up, you, you got to know she was thinking this. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Right away, she goes to theology. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again on the resurrection the last day. Jesus is saying, it can happen today. You've got to understand who I am, he says. It can happen today. And the next line is critical and it is powerful because it redefines Easter. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And while the resurrection was an event, it was not something that God put together so you and I could annually celebrate a holiday. He doesn't give a hoot about that. It is so that you and I could recognize that He is the resurrection. It was an event, but it was a person. And Jesus is saying to her, you are looking at that person. I am the resurrection. And he goes on, and the one who believes in me, believes, there's that word again, the one who believes in me will live. He says, I'm not asking the one who prays more will live. I'm not asking the one who comes to church more will live. I'm not asking that the one who gives more money will live. Those are all good things, but that's not what he's asking. I'm just asking you to believe in me. And I got to tell you, some of us have given up on believing in him. Some of us, I would tell you, probably have, have gotten bored with our faith. 
or given up on our faith. Or, or maybe you really, you, really, you really latched onto your faith and you really had hope in what God was going to do in your life, but, but then life began to happen. And you just drifted to another place. And I got to tell you, I believe that this Easter, God has placed you here in this moment so that you could believe again. It goes on to say, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, even though they end up in the box. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So even though you get in the box, you never really die. And then he asks her this question. It's the same question that he asks you and that he asks me. And he comes to every one of us. And his Holy Spirit's at work in our lives and in our hearts. And he says to us, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. History changed when Jesus rose out of that grave. Everything changed when Jesus rose out of that grave. And all the areas in our lives that are broken change because he rose out of that grave. Do you believe this? There's a place in California called Death Valley. It's dead. Nothing grows in Death Valley. I, I have a picture of it. There's Death Valley. It's dead. It's so unbelievably hot there. Nothing happens there. But in 2004, a strange thing happened. There was a shift, a weather phenomenon that happened. Death Valley got seven inches of rain. Right after that, not, not much happened. But by 2005, on Easter Sunday, Death Valley looked like this. You see, even though Death Valley was dead and hot and barren and nothing lived there, down under the soil, there were seeds that were dormant. They were just laying there. It was just a barren land. But then the living water came. And it changed everything. Some of us, there are areas in our lives, it may be our marriage, it may be our emotional state. Some of you are living in fear. You live with fear. I know what it's like to live with fear. I went through a battle with fear, a long-term, relatively long-term battle with fear. You see, fear dominates our lives when our focus of our lives is us. But when, be when God becomes the focus of our life, love takes over. And, and when his love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. The two cannot live in the same dwelling. God desires in our lives 
He wants a super bloom in your life. Whatever area is dead and broken. Stand with me this morning. We're going to do another song together. And, and then we're going to go outside and we're going to celebrate with baptism. And if, and if you've not taken the journey, you're going to want to sign up out in the cafe for, and be next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, you'll start your four weeks with the journey. And listen, we have breakfast catered for you. So you want to sign up and take, this, take these four weeks. It's just going to be a great time together. But if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, guys, this is, this is not a difficult thing. Jesus did everything to make that a decision that you can make just like that. It happens by recognizing who He is. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He let Him, he let him nail Him to a cross. And he, they put Him in that tomb. He kicked the door open of that tomb, rose on the third day. And that changes everything. For you and for me. For heaven and for our entire lives together here on this planet. And he becomes your savior by you believing that. It's that simple. You don't even have to pray a prayer to do that. It's a thought and a recognition that happens between you and God himself. And it is sealed in heaven. Done deal. And if you do that this morning, you can do it right there. Just take two seconds and do it. And if you do that, man, you can go right outside and be baptized on the same day. And we will celebrate with you. Let me pray with you real quick before we do another song. Father, thank you so much for the resurrection. Thank you so much for that day that you changed everything for all of us. And Lord, for those here this morning who've accepted you as their Savior, as a matter of fact, let me just take a second here. Just keep every head bowed, every eye closed. If you did that this morning, just for my sake, just stick your hand up and put it right back down real quick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lord, thank you for these hands that went up. We see them here as hands that went up. But really, Father, you see them and we understand them as lives that were instantly changed. Four people changed their eternal destination from hell to heaven. And your word says all of heaven celebrates when only one accepts you. Thank you, Father. Lord, bless as we continue to celebrate this morning, as we sing together and in baptism this after the service. We worship you continually here. In your name we pray. Amen.